do a little bit of a review today. And I feel like it's going to be another breakthrough Sunday. How many have been fighting a giant this last week? Anyone? Hey, let's, let's, let's loosen up. You've been fighting a giant. Anyone besides him see hands? Yep, yep, yep. Well, he's already handed them into our, into our hands. Like he's already given us the victory over these giants. Amen? The only reason that we see these giants is because he's already given them to us. And therefore our promotion. And um, would you open your Bibles to Ephesians 5 and then 2 Corinthians 3? We'll be in other places as well. We'll, we'll, we'll get there as we go. Um, thank you, Jesus. Father, I just ask that your anointing would come now and that I would say your words because you have words of life. <laughs> so let me say your words that may produce life in our hearts. Speak directly to us. Every person here, I ask that you would stir up life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I want to talk and review this, this idea that we're new creations in a new covenant. We are completely new creations. We're not recycled. Y'all gonna make me work to start. All right, here we go. We are not recycled. We're not renovated. We're not, we are completely new creations in Christ. And the author of the shack, his name is William Young, William P. Young, he says, Transformation healing is complete when there is no difference between the truth of our being and the way of our being. In other words, we're not fully transformed until the truth we say we believe actually transforms the way we live. And the Lord wants us to be transformed people. Transformed people, not recycled people, not Christians. New creations, completely transformed into something the world has never seen before. The Bible says that we're, we're a peculiar people. We're aliens. We're weird because the world has never seen anyone like us before. He doesn't recycle us. He makes things new. Would you say that God makes things new? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to start with verse 8. Now here's who we used to be. You were once darkness. Amen? Amen? I was once darkness and everything that that involved. I was once darkness, but not anymore. Everyone say, not anymore. But now you are light in the Lord. Come on. We have been transitioned from the kingdom of darkness into his king, the kingdom of his marvelous light. And he says, because that's true, you're no longer darkness, but you're now light. Walk as children of the light. Amen? Everywhere we go, we should be light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. That's what light looks like. Goodness, righteousness, truth. Amen? And those who are light try to find out what pleases the Lord. Woo. See, the difference between being in the kingdom of darkness or being darkness is darkness looks to find what pleases itself. Do you know how we can assess right now ourselves and know whether we are transformed or whether we're still the old nature? Do I try to please myself? 
Because if I try to live to please myself and my rules and what I need to be comfortable or how I like to be spoken to or how I like to be dealt with, if I try to live by the rules that pleases the flesh of Jared, then I'm not living to please the Lord. And we are no longer darkness, we're light. And we're trying to find out, we should look every single moment of the day, how can I find what pleases the Lord and do that more? And then he goes on and he says, so because we're no longer darkness and we are now light, we have no fellowship with the unfruitful deeds or the unfruitful works of darkness. In other words, the things we used to do, we expose those things instead of giving our heart to them anymore. For it is shameful. Where does shame come from? Tells us right here. It is shameful to even speak of the things which are done in darkness. Shame comes from darkness. If I walk in shame on any measure, if I feel shame, it's the old nature of darkness trying to raise its head in my life. But I'm no longer darkness, I am now light. Amen? And here's how awesome it is. See, sometimes I think we get the picture that, that Jesus shined his light on us, which is absolutely true. But he went even further, and it tells us in the next verse, all things that are exposed by the light becomes light. <laughs> it literally means that all things that are exposed by the light becomes light. It's just like when I drink deep from the rivers of salvation, a river flows through me. What I encounter of God transforms me into that encounter. If I encounter his mercy, then I begin to release mercy. If I encounter his joy, his joy goes with me everywhere because the encounter transforms me into who he is. We're not darkness anymore. We're children of the light. And so he's telling you, this is the alarm clock going off on the verse. Therefore, he says, awake, awake, O sleeper. Awake from the dead that Christ will rise upon you, that his light will rise upon you. And everyone say amen to that. Second Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18. We're going to read this, lay a foundation, and we'll go for it. Second Corinthians 3, verse 17 and 18. Some of my favorite parts of the whole Bible is found in these verses. And you'll know it. It's very familiar. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is liberty. And that would be great. We could just stop there. Wonderful. But then he takes us into an intimate encounter. And he draws a picture for us. And, he, and it's carrying on that same thought that we used to be darkness, but now we're light. When you're darkness, you try to hide it. You try to cover it. You try to veil it. But when you're light, you don't hide it under a bushel. You put it on a stand where everyone can see, not just so that they can say, oh, look, they have light, but so that your light gives light to other people. That's what the Bible says. You put it on a lampstand so it gives light to the whole house. And he's saying here, we know where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. There's freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, everyone say unveiled face, Let's say that again, unveiled face. No masks. Come, amen. I, I declare that just on a side note. No more masks. <laughs> unveiled face. And here's the picture. Beholding as in a mirror 
seeing your reflection in him. The glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed into what? Everyone say the same image. So as I look with an unveiled face, all shame gone, everything we use to cover our nakedness has to go away because we're not darkness anymore. We are children of the light. And children of the light bravely look into the mirror of God's glory. And as we do it, we become transformed. And as we look at him, we become just like him. Instead of looking at our weaknesses and looking at our failures and looking at the darkness that springs up in our life, if we will look at him, we're looking in a mirror and we will begin to see our reflection looks the same as him because he's transforming us into his likeness. See, the word unveiled means a reversal of something. There used to be a covenant in place that existed, but God says the time has come for the new covenant to come, and that means that the old covenant has expired, and that has to be unveiled. What happened when Jesus died on the cross? A lot of cool things happened, right? But I'm just talking about the veil. I think it should lead us down the track, right? The veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom because he says you have to see me unveiled. The law has put a veil over your face to where you can't see me and you can't see yourself. You've got to take the veil down. You've got to let the guard down. I hope you apply this. I hope you, you hear how I'm saying this. It's letting the guard down and letting him in. Fool, you can see me, God. I know you already see me. But if I, if I hide... I don't have to live with the realization that you see me. But if I look at your eyes, I now know that you know who I really am. And there's no freedom greater than that moment of looking the Lord in the eyes and all shame disappearing in the light of his face. And as the shame disappears, as the failures disappear, we begin to see our reflection and we look just like him. It's like Paul said, I it's not yet been revealed what we're going to look like. But we know this, that when he comes back, we will look just like him. Come on. You know, I, I honestly feel if we took the pulse of everyone in the room right now and said, do you really look in the mirror and see Jesus? Do you really feel in your, in your nature and in your emotions and your, your will and your everything, all your makeup, that, that Jesus is being formed in you? I think we would all say, man, I feel like I'm missing the mark a lot. But it's a lie. It's a lie. The only way we miss the mark is to not look at him. The only way we miss the mark is to come with a veil. But we nail it. When we come to him and let all the guards down and he sees us and we experience, we don't measure up. You know why shame is such a liar? Because shame causes us to compare ourselves to other people. But when God convicts us, he causes us to compare us to himself. And there's no condemnation there because he paid the price. 
I will only feel shame when I'm comparing to other people or other people's measurements in their life, their accomplishments, what they, they're further along than me. When we do all of that mess, the enemy has won because he's tricked us into the comparison trap and it will only lead to shame because I can't look at other people and see the reflection of Jesus in my face when I'm looking at other people. I can't look at my past. I can't look at my failures and look intently in that and see my reflection looking like Jesus. The only place I can do that is to look at him. And yes, it's convicting. It's supposed to be. If you and I could come into the presence of God and not feel convicted for, for something, then we're not doing it right. Like he's, he's holy. Like, the day we stand before him in our new bodies, we're going to bow down and cry out, holy. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And we know we, we finished the race and we did well and we're going to heaven. And it doesn't matter because in the light of him, nothing compares. So when we look at Jesus, we should be convicted if the Lord's not convicting us right now, then we need to look at him. Because here's what I've learned. If I'm not being convicted, then I'm being shamed. They, they fight for each other's attention. They fight for our attention, excuse me. Con conviction and shame fight for attention in our heart. And shame can only lead to death. Shame can only lead to a deeper pit and more lying and more hiding and more makeup and more masking. But conviction transforms us. We with unveiled faces. There's a reversal. Something was here. The law was here. But the unveiling reversed it. It's not, now it's time for it to no longer be the covenant that we live under. The law was the thing that could no longer exist because a new covenant came in its place. And I'm going somewhere with this. It's, hopefully it's encouraging to you. The law was the veil that could not transform us. It had no ability to create change in us, fulfilling the law. There was no life in the law. There was only life in Jesus. Amen? So we with unveiled faces... Look at him, and we are being transformed. The word transformed means to be completely changed into a different form, transfigured. And it refers to the form by which a person or thing strikes the vision or is known. Here's how we know we're transformed. Other people notice it. They see us, and they see a transformed person. We may know it. But if we'll keep looking at Jesus and completely unveiling ourselves, then the, everyone around will begin to recognize, oh my goodness, they're not even the same person they used to be. Amen. That's not even, the, I may have known them for 40 years, but I don't, this is a new creation. It's a totally different person. And what are we being transformed into? The same image as Jesus. Christ is being formed in us. Paul said that as a prayer. He says, I labor in prayer over you. I labor in prayer over you until Christ is formed in you. That's the goal. Are you still okay? Now listen, we are no longer our unredeemed selves. We are no longer darkness. We are no longer orphans. We are no longer under an old covenant that's impossible for us to accomplish. 
We are completely new creations. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 through 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17. It says, for the love of Christ constrains us. Woo. That word means holds us together. It synchronizes us. Everyone say synchronizes. So think of it that way. The love of Christ synchronizes me into his rhythm until I'm just like him. Having concluded this, that one, who's the one? One, Jesus, died for all. Therefore, what? All died. All of us have died to sin. You're like, man, but I, I just sinned like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> we gotta be transformed. We didn't lose our ability to fall. We didn't lose our ability to sin. But if we look at him, we'll lose our appetite to do so. Amen? And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves. Uh-oh, there's the darkness. There's the, there's the key of darkness, living for ourselves versus living to please the Lord, living to please myself instead of pleasing the Lord. And then he says this, but for him, we're no longer living for ourselves, but we're living for him who died and rose again on our behalf. Everyone say, he did that for me. He died and rose for me. And then he says, therefore, from now on, and here's, here's where we're at. We no longer recognize one another according to the flesh. It is no longer okay for us to correspond with each other, to interact with each other, with the old darkness, the old flesh image on the person we're talking to. It's no longer okay for me to interact with someone and me think, oh, that's old, that's old whomever, fill in the blank. I've seen this before. No, it's no longer okay. We no longer recognize one another according to the flesh. That's how we used to know of Christ, but we don't know Christ like that anymore. We don't know him that way anymore because we, if we're in Christ, are a new creation, it says. The old has died. It's passed away. It's been crucified, and all things have been made new. So as I look to Jesus and I become transformed, other people will begin to recognize that we're not the same. We're a new creation. And then he gives us this charge. When you're dealing with one another, don't deal with them as if they're darkness. Don't respond to them as an adversary. They're light. If we're not acting like light, remind each other we're children of the light. We're not darkness. That's not our nature anymore. We're a new creation. And we're under a new covenant. Everyone say, thank God for that, man. A new covenant. We are completely new in Christ because the new covenant required new creations. We couldn't be the same that we used to be the same mindset, the same mentality that we had under the old covenant and just transform that old stuff into a new covenant. It had to all be made new, which meant we had to be made new the same way the covenant was made new. And Jesus paid for this new covenant in his blood. He paid a heavy price, not just to bring us a new covenant, but also to bring us from the darkness into being children of the light. Both things were accomplished at the cross. 
A new covenant was established for us. And then we also gained access through Jesus, the door into grace that says, I'm going to transform you into another person. They both had to go at the same time. It'd be foolish to, to update technology and them not be able to speak to each other. Amen? And God updated the whole operating system and then he updated the covenant or the rules that the operating system lived by, both at the same time. And we no longer relate to God from the flesh. We no longer relate to God in shame or from a fleshly perspective. We don't, we don't relate to God under the old covenant where it was contingent upon our ability to follow the rules. That's not how we live anymore. We're under a new covenant where it's contingent upon Jesus fulfilling all of the law and all of the prophets, which he did. Are you all still here? And we are being transformed into his image. And it says through glory. The vehicle that transforms us is the glory of God. The manifest presence of God is what transforms us. We cannot transform ourselves by working harder. Come on. We cannot transform ourselves by isolation. Like, well, I'm really working on this part of my life, and when I'm around this many people, that thing just springs up, so I've got to isolate until I get better at it. No, that's not how it works in the kingdom. We don't get to hide anymore. We're under a new covenant, and we no longer see him from our dead flesh. We no longer look at him from the old eyes. We have new eyes. And it's from spirit to spirit now. What does the Bible say? Flesh births flesh, but spirit births spirit. We are now under a new covenant that's spirit. And the spirit gives life. The Bible says the flesh counts for nothing. The flesh is useless, but the spirit gives life. And you and I are under this new covenant. And we're new people. Everything's been made new. This is the good news of the kingdom. There's a verse in Isaiah 54, verse 10, I would like to read. Isaiah 54, verse 10. And it says, and though the mountains may depart, and the hills may be removed, my kindness will not leave you. Though the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, my kindness, I think the word is actually my loving kindness, will not depart from you. And then he says this, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on us. What a promise. Here's the old covenant, the old way that we operated. Man, I can do 99 really righteous things, and that one stupid thing can run it all. How many felt that? 
How many have felt like you've been, you've been doing a good job of following the Lord and walking with him obedience and then you stumbled and you made a stupid mistake and sinned or whatever and all you can think about is that thing? That's the darkness. That's the old nature. We're not by that nature anymore. The rules shifted in the kingdom. In the old covenant, you could do 99 righteous things, make one little mistake, and you're guilty of all the law. But the new covenant says you can do 99 stupid things and you get it right one time and you're righteous before God. Now the solution to all this is I'm not trying to please myself anymore so it doesn't give me a license because I'm not, I don't have freedom under this covenant to try to please myself. My job is to find out what pleases the Lord I'm going to stumble and fall. You and I are going to stumble and fall. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. We're going to click into old Jared, old nature, old whomever, right? We have to stop in that moment, and we have to open our heart. We have to rip the veil off, and we have to let God look at us. Let him convict us. Let him tell us what he thinks about what we just did. Because if we just trap it in our brain and we start thinking about then we will cover ourselves completely in shame again. And we'll have to dig out of that hole. But if we'll look to Jesus and we let him pierce us with his word, his word cuts us and heals us at the same time. Amen? I know years ago we've, we've heard this example, but it's like, it's like Jesus stands there with his word and it's a sword and he's holding it straight out at us. Yeah. And then he says, come here. <laughs> And you're like, oh, if I, if I take a step closer, you're, the sword is going to pierce me. That's right. Come here. And we take that step, and it pierces us. It convicts us. And it shows us what we would be like without him. And then he says, but you're not without me. You're not on your own. I paid your price. You're not that old person. Let me show you a better way. Come on. This is the kingdom we live in. This is the covenant we're under. Amen? Why don't you stand? I'm going to close out and read from Ephesians. Read from the Passion, and then we're going to open the altars for prayer. Verse 11, uh, Ephesians 2, verse 11. Don't forget that you were born not as Jews and were uncircumcised. Circumcision itself is just a work of man's hands. You had no Jewish covenants and laws. You were foreigners to Israel's incredible heritage. You were without the covenants and the promises and the prophetic promises of the Messiah, the promised hope and without God. Yet look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united with Christ. Come on. And our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made the Jew and the non-Jew one in Christ. 
by dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us, and he has now made us equal through our union with Christ. That's good news, amen? Here's the answer to the world. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved. Woo! We declare that by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming a whole new race of humanity. Come on. Jews and non-Jews fused together in Jesus himself. The two have become one. And we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ through, this, through his crucifixion. Hatred has died. Amen. For Moses has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you, the ones who were distant and to those who are near. And now because we are united to Christ, we have both equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you are not foreigners, you are not guests, <laughs> but you are children of the city of the Holy One with all the rights as family members from the house of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted together stones of the temple and your lives have been built up together upon the foundation of the apostles and the, the, apostles and the prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, um, the anointed one himself. Come on, and here's the end. This entire building is under construction. We are all under construction. But we are still children of the light. We are still sons and daughters. We are no longer darkness, but we are under construction. And we are continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completely as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of us into the holy of holies, his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. That's what we're being built into, a house for God to live in. Amen? If this message was for you, if it spoke to you, you just want to make a, a time of prayer. We want to just devote this time. It's important for us to do these things, to make covenants, to, to say yes to him, to restore our, our convictions, to follow him. That's what we're going to do. I'll open the altars right now. I invite you to the front. I'm asking you just to make a place of covenant with the Lord. I, I say yes to this covenant. You can come on up. We, we thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on.